This is Cynthia Barnes back with another exciting episode of Unstoppable with Cynthia Barnes, where I interview those women in sales who are making it happen and those who are committed to making it happen for women in sales. Today, I have the distinct honor of interviewing the one, the only, Brooke Bachesta. How you doing, Brooke? I am great, Cynthia. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yes, I'm so happy to have you on the show too. So it's been a while since we first met. So what's been new in your world? Oh, gosh, so much. I think we met in person at a certainly at Unleash and probably at a a girls club conference and just following each other in the industry. But yeah, over the last couple of years, I was leading an SDR team at Outreach. So I was leading their mid or one of their mid market SDR teams, a frontline manager. And then I recently transitioned in March to this enablement role. So now I'm still supporting the team that I know and love a ton, just in a different capacity. And I'm having a ton of fun, a total blast learning um, all about enablement. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm focused on. Awesome. So in your new role in enablement, what has been the biggest surprise for you? What has just totally shocked you? I think it's just been an interesting exercise for me. I think when you're a frontline manager, you're so heads down in the weeds, like all day, every day is just about like getting over the line, exceeding quota, hitting your number that there's not a lot of room to think, you know, like to bring your head up above water and to start thinking strategically, uh, especially when you've got reps directly rolling up to you who obviously, you know, you want to coach and, and be there for them. So being in this role, transitioning from a people manager to really a project manager as an individual contributor. I'm learning what it means to be strategic. And I found myself feeling like I'm behind on things, but it's just because uh, I'm learning how to do things with like a larger view in mind to thinking of like, okay, sure, I can try and plug holes, like and do some reactive level enablement. But instead, like, how can I start thinking about long term gains? How is this going to like build a foundation for the future? So I guess like the surprise for me is like, it feels like I'm moving slow when I compare it to like all day, every day as a frontline manager. In reality, we're getting a ton of stuff done. It's just I'm learning how the wheels of big change and change management move slowly uh, and intentionally. So what do you think would have helped prepare you better for the challenges that you just mentioned? You know, I think my current manager, Whitney Sieg, she's awesome. And she did a ton of just like prep work with me. It's the joys of moving internally to a different role as you get to talk to your new boss while you're working on your old job. And there's like that transition period. And she did a really good job of setting expectations of just saying like, you know, beware the trap of doing reactive enablement. We need to think proactively. Here's some great examples. And like the, the rest of my team has been awesome and helping to onboard me. So I don't know if, you know, ask me again in a year, hindsight's <laughs> 2020, like what I could have had to feel more prepared. But I, I think just like what has been super helpful and it has been great to double down on is just like having projects from the get go, like knowing we have these strategic initiatives for the SDR org and the enablement team, like starting to pick apart a single project and then run that through like a quarter. So I have practice. It's mostly just been a lot of learning on the job. <laughs> it's been awesome. It sounds like you have the opportunity to use more creativity and innovation. Would that be an accurate statement? Yeah, I mean, I think as a frontline manager, you certainly have that opportunity. There's just not enough time in the day, right? So being able to zoom out and say, okay, here's all the things that I wanted to fix when I was a frontline manager. Now I have the opportunity to do that. And this is my whole job, 100%. So yeah, I would say maybe there's a bit more like brain space to dedicate to things like that. The World Economic Forum put out a list of the top skills that 
people need in the next five years? What would you say that women in sales need to concentrate on as we ascend the corporate ladder and as we navigate these topsy-turvy times? Oh gosh, I don't know if I can come up with five off the top of my head, but I think- Oh no, just um, one, just one. <laughs> yeah, what's becoming more and more apparent, and I know our head of innovation, Mary Shea, has talked about this a lot. It's so crucial for people early in their career and because it lays this groundwork, right? And even as you're moving through the ranks, it's just confidence building. So finding opportunities to build your confidence, whether that's working on projects you can attach your name to, finding ways to hype up said projects, you know, pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and like safe spaces so that the first time, say you do a public speaking event, it's not like zero to a hundred, like on the main stage of a keynote thing, like building in those incremental improvement opportunities so that you can have a really strong confidence base because it's so key. So for the women in sales who are listening to this podcast, what is the one thing that they can do tomorrow morning to boost their confidence? What would you tell them? Well, I'd say like, first off, start writing down like the things that you have done. It's really easy, especially in a quota carrying role to just be caught up in the like, okay, like I'm, I'm putting out fires, I'm working on projects and I'm just trying to get to, you know, 110, 120% of my quota that you can lose sight of like what feels like minutia throughout the day, but maybe that's creating a new slide deck for you and your team to use. Maybe that was a larger, like a lagging indicator, like winning a client that's been really tricky. Could have just been crushing an awesome demo or leading a discovery call, take note of those things will be step one. And then part B of that is find ways to bring that up to other people. I think uh, it can feel awkward, like you're showboating, but I have a leader and a mentor here at Outreach who's helped me with that a lot. Uh, of just finding ways in meetings to just hype up the work that you're doing. And there's ways to do it that are like, hey, if the project that you're related to comes up, you can just suavely throw in they're like oh yeah i was working on the deck that i think five other people are using it seems like it's going really well <laughs> or um i had this call with this customer and they were pretty convinced that they wanted to stay on the competitor but it's moving well because of the things that i did and that's x y and z and just like demonstrating being your own hype woman and then yeah i guess it just builds a culture of like hey it's okay to, to talk about what you're doing so that when the people who are making decisions about your career are in a room without you, which is usually how it goes. They've got plenty of fodder of like, oh yeah, Brooke did all these things. I got a laundry list of like the accomplishments that she can attach herself to. I am so happy that you mentioned that because often times we will leave a meeting where no one has praised us. No one has mentioned our good deeds and our good works. And we get so frustrated. Why didn't they acknowledge my hard work? But here you are saying, you've got to be your own hype person. And that is so true. Nobody's going to stroke your ego and speak about you in other rooms unless you do it first. Yeah, it's true. And it's, it may seem like an unfortunate plight, but honestly, I think part of that is just like you're perpetuating the self-talk of like, I am really good at my job. I do accomplish things. I do exceed my number. And now I'm letting other people know. And I think other ways to help kind of feed that culture of like, you know, confidence and, and calling out what you've done is if you see other people doing it, particularly women or other underrepresented populations in your office, taking it, if they do something awesome, like instead of just slacking or emailing them directly, you know, throw their boss on there as a CC and call out what they did. And she's like, Hey, I just wanted to shoot a note. Cynthia had an awesome call today. Like she really turned a cranky customer around. Great job. And it could be as simple as that. And now we're just feeding the machine of, Hey, it's okay to call each other out uh, and to pat yeah. each other remotely <laughs> on the back. Exactly. Exactly. And I love that idea of CCing their leader or your leader or sometimes both to 
shine a light on someone who may not be comfortable yet shining totally. the light on themselves. Yeah, I love that. And that's a great way for women to support women behind the scenes. And also it shows in my perspective that we are not the backstabbing competitive breed that society has us pinned out to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. So we just celebrated Father's Day. Talk to me about the most influential couple or maybe just one man in your life. Oh, geez. Well, in the spirit of Father's Day, I can talk about my dad. <laughs> His name is Jim. Yeah, I think he has, he's got two daughters, myself and my younger sister. And uh, he always just pushed us, you know, try things, whether that was sports or school activities or whatever, and get outside of our comfort zone. And he, both him and my mom taught us early on that, you know, failing is not bad. It's just how you learn things. And so either finding ways to laugh at like, oh, I made a mistake and I totally flubbed something and that's fine. <laughs> or take it as a learning experience. So I certainly appreciate that. And just like creating a, you know, fostering that sense of it's okay to try new things and you should push yourself even if it's kind of scary. And I see that leaders, you know, leaders that I enjoy working with certainly create that you know, similar vibe of like, there's going to be a lot of autonomy. You'll get to try a lot of things. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from it. Because truly, like making mistakes quickly is just, I think, the fastest way to learn and get good at something. Were you always like that with that mindset? No. <laughs> I think it is really hard to detach yourself from like the perfectionist mindset of like, oh, if I'm putting my name on this, it has to be really good. And I think I'm totally generalizing. But my perspective is that women, we struggle with that a lot. Of, I'm on a stage, it's got to be perfect. If I got 100, but not 101%, I'm a total failure. Um, and so that has been uh, difficult. I think startup land has helped me with that because there's just not time to have, you know, mostly you have your ducks in a row and you want to be like super clean on your projects. But sometimes, you know, done is better than perfect. <laughs> and you do have to deal with that mindset and then you can iterate as you go. And so I think that that's helped a lot. But no, I was certainly not always, always like that. <laughs> I find in my travels and, and in my work with women in sales that we are super hard on ourselves, almost to a fault. We're hypercritical, mm -hmm. not necessarily of others, but I find that the self-talk is kind of awful. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have those moments that you stop yourself and say, I would never say this to my best friend. Why am I saying it to myself? Or have you mm. overcome that? Yeah, I totally find myself in that situation. And I think working remotely has, I guess, compounded that because we're all just alone with our thoughts, right? Like you leave a meeting and you're like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have ended it that way. Or like, that was such a weird way to propose that solution. Or like, that was so dumb. So yes, I, I have struggled with that. I think verbalizing it. So like, if I talk to my partner and he's like, you sound like a crazy person, like the mental gymnastics you're going through to tell yourself that you did a bad job when in reality, you've done a great job. Sounds very stressful. Uh, and also like, if you hear yourself talking about it, you're right. You'd be like, I would never tell this to one of my SDRs or my teammate. And if I did, it would be in a much softer approach of like, you know, here's the things that you did great. And here's your area of opportunity. So yeah, I think it's a constant struggle to overcome negative self-talk, but anytime I get into a spiral, just like actually saying it out loud, even if it's me by myself and writing it down of like, why do I think it was so bad? What's the worst case scenario? Because 
I, I think most people, myself totally included, tend to catastrophize. Like, oh, if I screw this up, they're going to fire me, which is usually not the case. Can be helpful to bring you back down to reality. And uh, yeah, talking to a therapist and a lot of that, <laughs> also very helpful. <laughs> Absolutely. I've spoken to so many women are not afraid to just come out and say, get therapy. I have a therapist. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a therapist. I was talking with a young lady and she, she led the conversation with, in a discussion with my therapist. And I think back 10, 15 years ago when that was not the status quo, you never mm-hmm. talked about your therapist unless you were a celebrity, then it was a status thing. Like I have a therapist. Hmm. Kind of like Starbucks came out and you would carry your white cup with the green logo like I went to Starbucks this morning. But now people talk about therapy like it's a Diet Coke. I had therapy for lunch and a Diet Coke. (laughs) And I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, because if not, we will go and I don't want to say this, but we we can go there. Women can really go there. Yeah, and it's so important. I mean... If you hadn't considered it, like the state of the world today has been pretty anxiety inducing. So yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of it. And it, when you're working, I, I don't really think that you can compartmentalize or I don't think the people compartmentalize their life. You know, if you got stressors outside of work, you got bills, family issues, that's going to come into your performance on the job. So being able to, you know, help manage that or find ways to talk about that with your colleagues. Um, it's pretty important. Manny Medina, our CEO, just did a podcast, and I'm forgetting the name of it, but he put it in our company email this morning, that talked about being vulnerable at work um, and how it's important to bring your whole self to work. And, you know, it's difficult if you're an underrepresented person, if there's not a lot of people who look like you, it can be very difficult to bring your whole self or if you're struggling with mental health issues. So he says, you know, just setting a good example as a leader and normalizing like, oh, yeah, I'm going to therapy or finding opportunities to talk about difficult concepts. Because truly, I think what he was calling out was like the way that people bond and build relationships is by talking about really difficult things. So then you'll start to see like, oh, now I know what Cynthia's face does when she's upset or offended. And now I know what Brooke looks like when she's on the defense or like feeling uncomfortable, you know, because and that's how you're building better human relationships, but also working relationships. Yes. How is it that your leadership style welcomes and creates a safe space for your team. How do you do that? Oh, so I guess I've just been flexing a different muscle now that I'm an IC, but when I was a leader, I, I guess just like finding time to, to get to know people. So like making sure that I never canceled one-on-ones, even if it was like there's no agenda and it seemed like we were just coming in to shoot the breeze. There's value in that and getting to know people and like, what are they doing on the weekend? How are they feeling about a project? So yeah, and just keeping like a very open door policy, which sounds really corny, but like you're using their times. Like we can talk about whatever you want, whether it's work stuff, coaching stuff, stuff that's going on outside of work that's distracting you from the job now and trying to set an example. And that's been difficult for me because I think, you know, being really vulnerable at work is hard. (laughs) It's it's hard to push yourself to have those conversations and talk about like, Hey, this is what's weighing on me. But yeah, you definitely, as a leader, I think need to, to lead by example and be willing to like extend the olive branch of like, I'll share something very close and personal to me. Not with the expectation that you will, but as an invitation that if you wanted to, like I've done it. So now hopefully you feel more comfortable too as well. I like that. Everyone I speak to about Manny Medina says he is just (laughs) amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I'm happy to hear 
that you feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's one of those rare situations where, you know, our company's done really well and I feel really fortunate to have been a part of it and get to continue working with it. Like the product is great. Our customers are happy. And I think that doesn't happen without a really strong leadership team and people who are super competent. Like when I think about our executive team, I just think like, gosh, they're so smart and competent and willing to make change and like just listening to the market and their employees. But they're also very empathetic and like mm. nice, <laughs> welcoming, warm people. And I feel like it, it's really hard to find much as one, but like an entire team of executives who yeah, really live all the core values in addition to, to being really good at their day job. That is awesome. Lucky. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, that you are fortunate because I hear <laughs> horror stories, horror stories. You and I'm sure, sure I'm sure you've heard them too. So I'm thrilled to hear that your workplace is is one that you're proud of and that you're happy there. You've been there a while. So obviously they're treating you well. Yeah. 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 So when we talk about women in sales and preconceived notions or myths, what is one myth about women in sales that you would like to debunk? Hmm. Probably that women in sales are too nice. Like I hear that a lot of like, oh, well, you know, maybe not going to be able to negotiate. They're probably not going to want to be a closer because they got to push too hard. Why don't you go pursue another career path, which is totally awesome. But like in somebody's mind attaches more to whatever female characteristics there are. So, yeah, and I think that you can still be nice, <laughs> but be very good at your jobs, like good at negotiating, good at closing while still being a very kind person. So I don't think one is like mutually exclusive of the other. Absolutely. That makes sense. It does. It does. Because I hear that you're too nice to be in sales. I was told that I was too nice to be in sales. And I said, what what kind of salespeople do you want? Just a bunch of sharks. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And and she told me I needed to be more of a B. And and I said, well, what does that look like? And I kind of just discounted it because I thought, you know, I'm going to show up authentically as my best self. And if they want to partner with me, then they will. But why change who I am to satisfy somebody else's version of what I should be? Mm -hmm. Totally. I I wasn't always like that, though, because it comes with maturity, experience, and self-confidence and self-worth. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah, very tricky, uh, but important. <laughs> very important. Ne- necessary, I would, I would label it as necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel about the term work-life balance? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, it's definitely a loaded term. I think when people talk about it or talking about like, okay, like, are you, are you a workaholic? Are you working 80 hours a week? Like you're doing that at the expense of your other hobbies. I think work-life balance is important. I keep hearing this term of like work-life blend because like now that we're all working for, like I'm in my kitchen right now. So like my work is in my house (laughs) and there's no clear line of like, okay, the work day has ended and started. It's important to put those boundaries up, but it is definitely becoming a blend of like, all right, well, if I leave in the middle of the day to go to a doctor's appointment, just because it is five o'clock does not mean that suddenly my stuff is done. <laughs> and like the little elves came in and did it for me. Like I need to be online, do it a little bit longer. And I think it's going to look different for everybody else. Like some people 
you know, me too. Like if I'm really invested in a project, maybe I want to work a little bit longer than say like a standard nine to five work day. Cause like, I'm just so jazzed on it. And I think it's important to find projects that stimulate your brain to the point where you're like, I'm having a blast building this out and I'm learning so yes. much. And like, this is fun. Uh, and I think it's also important to look at the flip side and say like, if this is usually fun for me, but I can't even bring myself out of bed in the morning or like, I've been avoiding this thing because I hate doing it so much. It's probably time for, a mental health refresh day or a vacation, a serious conversation with your manager around like reallocation of projects. If something is just being a total drain for you, naturally you're probably not going to be as, as good at it. The product, the outcome isn't going to be as great. So yeah, it's hard. I don't know if you can ever like split up a pie chart and be like, this is the balance and like the appropriate time to be spending on exercise, family, <laughs> work, other hobbies, etc. So yeah, I think it comes to like that self-worth, positive self-talk and just being like really realistic of like am i being productive today and if not why not and how can i fix it it was a very rambly answer <laughs> it was a great answer it was a great answer because what i heard was there has to be an alignment of desire and passion with the objectives that you have to complete and if those mm -hmm. are not in alignment then the work is going to be there but it's not going to be as good because the passion is missing. Totally. And of course there's days, you know, where like, it's nice outside in Seattle. I would re way rather be outside running around than in front of my computer. But like, you know, we all, we have to get our stuff done and like we get to do fun things like this. So I think it's just important to find aspects of your day where you're like, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun at my job today. Cause life is too short to do things that you hate with people that you don't like. Would you say that again for the people in the cheap seats? <laughs> sure. I said, life is too short to do something you hate with people you don't like. So if you find yourself consistently, not just I had a bad day, but like every day you're like, I hate my job and the people I work with constantly make me feel bad about myself, leave it, go find yes. something else. <laughs> yes. I was talking with someone the other day and she said that she had just gotten out of an abusive relationship and she didn't mm -hmm. go into detail with the type of abuse that was there. But she said some days would be great. And then mm -hmm. the person that she was with exhibited bad behavior. And they would go right. through a couple of days of tension and angst. And then they would go through another couple of days of good behavior. And then it would go, the cycle would be over and over again. And then I spoke to another woman and she said almost the exact same thing about her job. How... Mm -hmm. We would talk on Monday, things were great, I got a new boss, and then by Wednesday, Dr. Jekyll would turn into Mr. Hyde, and then mm -hmm. we'd have a few bad days. So have you ever heard that before from someone who is in a job that has good days and bad days, and pretty soon the bad days outnumber the good days? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is really hard to, I mean, to bring it back to your example of the abusive relationship, it is so hard to leave. And it's certainly not like you can just be like, all right, deuces, I'm out, because there's a lot to unpack there. But I think when taking stock of your emotional bank account, because you're right, some days are good, some days are bad at work. But if it's like at the end of every quarter, like out doing just a check-in, or certainly at the end of every year, like Things that you prioritize, make your list of like what stack ranked family, work, hobbies, you know, health, all those things. Like if they're all in the red or they all seem to be going down relative to where they were the last time you checked, that's probably a good indicator that it's just 
you know, you're giving a lot more than you're able to take. And it's probably not a very healthy relationship. But yeah. And it can feel like there's, you know, oh, what am I supposed to do? This is my job. Like, I got to pay bills. Where else am I going to go? But I think it can be really easy to get stuck in that negative thought process of like, my skills are only useful here. These people are the only ones who would hire me. I can't go anywhere else to make the same amount of money. As employees, we're very fortunate, you know, as things are opening up, pandemic is beginning to end. There's a lot of options out there. And even before or after that, and I think advice to women in sales would be like, you're highly marketable. Like you have a lot of skills. So whether that you need to talk to a career coach to just like brainstorm some ideas, there's always an option. And yes, I'm butchering that book. Like it's always, everything is figure outable. Like there's always a way out of something negative. Yes. Yes. I would have to agree. I'm contacted by companies every day that say, where are the women in sales? And I say, you have to be intentional about finding them and offer them something that the average company doesn't, but Mm -hmm. women in sales are highly sought after. And I think too many women just have the viewpoint of what you said. I can't go anyplace else. I've got this mortgage to pay and all of these things that they convince themselves of and they stay Mm -hmm. in this bad relationship of a job. Mm -hmm. So if someone came to you and said, I just can't leave, I'm making too much money. It's not that bad but yet you can tell that their mental health and emotional health is suffering mm-hmm. because of this job. What would you tell her? I mean, especially if it comes down to the money is important. Let's not kid ourselves. Like very few people work really for fun. We all do this. We got paychecks <laughs> that we yes. need. So Let's be important. clear. But also, you know, at what cost? Like if you're making a bunch of money, but like your mental health is in the trash and like you haven't had time to do anything, like take a trip with friends and family because you're working all the time. Like I would ask that person, like, is that really worth it to you? And for some people it is because like, yep, I'm just trying to stockpile for the next couple of years. I got goals to hit and I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Fine. But if it's not the deal you cut with yourself and you told yourself, oh, making this extra income. I want to buy a house. I want to take these trips. I'm going to take my kids to Disneyland and you haven't done any of those. Then it's probably an indicator that like your brain is in such lizard brain survival mode that you haven't had any like space to breathe or yeah, like do the things that bring you joy. So I would just, yeah, ask them, is this what you thought you had signed up for? (laughs) Right. And sometimes things change. It could be the honeymoon Mm -hmm. phase is over. But I think you make a very good point of take stock of reality, put it down on paper and see whether or not this opportunity, this partnership, this relationship, this job grows you, serves you and make you makes you happy. And if it Mm -hmm. doesn't, then respect yourself enough to find what does. Yeah. And acknowledge, like, is this just a bad project that I'm attached to and it'll be done in six weeks, but everything else is fine? Or is this just characteristic of the environment that I'm in of like, no matter what project I'm working on or who I work with, I'll feel this way. If you had all the time, money and resources available to you, how would you spend a day off? Oh, boy. Well, I love being outside and my partner, Alex, and I, we love being in the mountains. So one day, huh? I would probably go to Alaska because the days are longer. You get more sunshine, (laughs) daylight, and uh, have some kind of multi-sport day of climbing and hiking and maybe biking. 
or camping. I don't know. But yeah, we definitely bring our dogs and be outside <laughs> and probably some friends around. Fly yes. everybody in for like an after the outdoors adventure day party. <laughs> what was your last vacation? I went to go see in May. I finally got, I hadn't been on a plane at all. We've been very conservative with the whole, you know, masking up and, and not going anywhere. So I was very excited to get back on a plane. So I went to San Francisco to see my sister in May. And that was a ton of fun to just be back in the city <laughs> and hanging out. My yes. parents were there. It was her and her oh. husband and then me and my partner. It's just like a little family reunion, which was lovely. <laughs> Sounds like it. Sounds like yeah. it. Yeah. What's your next vacation? Next vacation, continuing on the domestic travel train uh, and seeing all the people who moved away during the pandemic. Some very close friends of ours moved to the Midwest, but they are in Montana for a month. So the whole or half of the gang, some of them are moved to a different country, so they're not able to come. But like our close group of friends, the majority are going to be there. We're just going to hang out in Montana for the weekend next month. Wow. That sounds gorgeous. It's going to be great. Sounds... I'm very excited. Yes, <laughs> absolutely gorgeous. So along the lines of professional development, what are you currently reading? Because you mentioned a book earlier. What are you currently reading? Okay, so it's not going to sound like it's for work, but I promise it kind of is. It's called The Happy Runner. <laughs> it's by David okay. and Megan Roche. And it's uh, it's a running book. I'm trying to run more. And I think that there's a lot of parallels in there about, like you talked about, like your the emotional bank account. Are you happy in your job? If I feel like I'm constantly draining to go do things, like maybe this is not the gig for me. And so they taught, you know, the book is about running a marathon. How do you prepare to run longer and faster? I mean, a lot of it just has to do with like listening to your brain and your body of like, if you wake up and you're like, I don't want to go today, then like, don't <laughs> Or If you're feeling like, Hey, I was supposed to only run this far, but I'm feeling awesome. Like just keep rolling with it. So that's been very helpful. But let me think of a more professional one. <laughs> we constantly reread this at Outreach and it's part of a big rollout process, but for sales specifically, we've been reading Skip Miller selling above and below the line. Always a classic, okay. and we're working to implement that into like the SDR talk tracks and onboarding boot camp and all that. Very interesting. Running a marathon is is mental. It takes mental fortitude, mental strength, and like you said, some days you just don't want to get out there. Just like in sales, mm -hmm. some days you just don't want to prospect. Right. Some days <laughs> you will stay until seven o'clock at night. I'm going to reach everybody I can. What do you think? Or how do you feel about the statement that we should work with our energies when we have energy, maximize it? I and mean, I'm not really saying it eloquently, but I hope you understand. Oh, yeah. I think I know what you mean. To be clear, you know, we all have to come to work on days that we don't want to. And there are things that need to get done. But I think if what you're alluding to is like, hey, if you're feeling like if you're in the middle of a deal cycle and you're like, I just have this creative street, like you're in flow flow state, like roll with it. Cause it's so hard to find and yes. you have to make space for your brain to think creatively. So Scott Barker, he works at sales hacker. He does a bunch of growth marketing for them. And he's talked about this a lot on his LinkedIn that like, if you're not making time, like empty time in your calendar with no meetings, that's straight, just straight up for you to brainstorm on your own ideas. You've got diminishing returns in your mm. day job <laughs> because you need to have time think creatively. And for those of you who don't think you're creative, I promise you are. There's a lot of great books out there <laughs> on how to find that flow state. But yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. Like if you're, I have found myself like making a pitch deck or a QBR review deck. And it's been like, I'm timing myself. I think timing is very important. Mm -hmm. I'm an hour in, 
oh, I think I can get there if I just work a little bit longer. I'm now two hours in and I have like nothing there. I, that is totally time. Just be like, you know what? This is not a good use of my time. I can do something else. And then I'll find that I'll set aside time another day during the week when I've had time to really think about what it is that I want to accomplish. And then it's just like coming out of my fingers. I'm just like crazy typing like the piano cat. <laughs> just like <laughs> the slides are all done and my ideas are on there. I just have to edit it. <laughs> Yes. I think sometimes walking away, getting a change of scenery, grabbing your favorite beverage, and then coming back to it, it's like mm-hmm. a, a mental reset. And sometimes that's all totally. we need. Yeah. Sometimes we need a nap. Sometimes we need to walk outside. <laughs> yes. Sometimes we need to pet our puppies. Whatever it is, do that and give yourself permission to do that because you come back stronger, more refreshed, and more creative hundred percent i saw i'm not gonna remember the source of this meme but it was like if you are feeling like you hate everybody in the world you need to eat something if you're feeling like everyone in the world hates you you need a nap (laughs) and you can usually solve both of those issues with eating or napping (laughs) you know what we just need to go back to our five-year-old selves we grab a blanket some warm cookies and some milk and a nap (laughs) an afternoon nap and the world is better i think everybody should take an afternoon nap (laughs) yeah siestas let's do it (laughs) exactly they do it south of the border and they're some of the most productive people in the world because (laughs) those countries that do yeah so if you had to name a handful of women in sales that you look up to who would they be hmm well let's see gotta love my girl Lori richardson women sales pros (laughs) amazing yes and lauren bailey girls club also also amazing right internally like our CRO Anna Baird like she is awesome she's so competent and it's first of all you're hard you'd be hard-pressed to find a CRO that's been in seat as long as she has because the job can be so like it's demanding right and if you're not hitting your numbers you're probably gonna get replaced Anna has been in this job for three and a half years now which is and she's run so many departments and she's yeah I'm just like blown away like super nice human really good at her job so strategic like I learned a lot from her. I could go on and on and on. You want some yeah. more? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's all good. It's all good. Those women are, are amazing. In the time that we have left today, I'd like to talk about challenges because we all face mm-hmm. them. What was the biggest challenge you experienced as a woman in sales and how did you overcome it? Mm, let's see. The biggest challenge as a woman in sales, probably imposter syndrome. Like thinking mm. like, oh, like this isn't for me. I It's just for a short-term gig. Like they're going to find out I'm not that good at this job. I'm the only one or like one of very few. And I'm just not meant for this type of culture. That kind of talk is so negative. And I had to remind myself <laughs> as well. I was a frontline sales manager that, Brooke, they would have fired you if you didn't belong. Like you've been in this job for many years. <laughs> You're obviously yeah. doing something well. And I... I I've talked to a lot of folks who seem to struggle with that too. So I think imposter syndrome is a plague against women in sales. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So if a woman tells you, you know what? I feel you, Brooke. I'm going through the same thing and Mm -hmm. I am just almost paralyzed by this. What advice would you give her? I mean, of course you have to start with like, you know, your own self talk and self respect. That can be a really hard hole to dig yourself out of if it's been, you've been taking stuff out and like you are in the hole. So I would, so I would certainly say like, 
we need to find you a mentor or a person within your own internal company who you can go to that can be your hype person, that can be your sounding board when you're like spiraling and catastrophizing. I'm like, oh, I did something wrong. I'm going to get fired. And like, you know, a support person where like you do something great, they hype you up at Slack and vice versa. And then outside of that, I think it is important to have external. So I would say just find an internal and an external mentor, sounding board, coach, whatever you want to call it, but a person to be there with you along the journey that you can share truly what's on your mind and not feel like you need to edit it. So you talk about a hype person. You've mentioned it a couple of times without it. You don't have to mention your hype person's name. Tell, tell me about them. Your hype um, person. I'm fortunate. I feel like I have a few and I try and return the favor. They constantly look for ways to like pray. And I know like my work love language is words of affirmation, especially if somebody deals with imposter syndrome. I need you to tell me I'm doing a good job. <laughs> I'm doing a good okay. job. Otherwise I'll assume that it's the opposite. So they constantly make an effort to do that publicly and privately. That, that may include like calling me out on LinkedIn, sending me a note that says I saw what you did. I thought it was awesome putting it in our team Slack channel, helping me like when it comes time to do QBRs, like look at the data, not just anecdotal, but like, let's look at your data. Like how many people did you get through this course? And like, what did you accomplish? And like, what were all the steps that you went to go do that? And helping me like, look at the process of building something so that I can acknowledge <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, that was cool. I, I feel good about that. What else do they do? And they, yeah, they open up the, the door for like, it's okay to say like, I feel like I really screwed this up and I'm not doing a good job. Not because I'm like fishing for compliments, not because that's how I'm perceiving something to be going. Let me talk it out. And then rather than give me all the answers and like give me the pat on the head, you know, unpack the things that I said. Okay, why do you think it was so bad? What do you think the other people thought of it? Realistically, put yourself in their shoes. What do you think that they would say if you're not there? And that has been very helpful. So there's a lot of communication and then just like acknowledging when you do a good job. <laughs> How did they learn what your work love language was? Well, one of them just asked me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I sent okay. out a survey, which was very helpful. Another one, I think they've just been, you know, a senior leader for a long time and in, in people management, done a lot of work on their own to further their professional development as a people manager. So they are pretty attuned to that. And yeah, and I think it's one of those, like, you just get to know people the more time you spend with them. And they just, they have all made an effort to spend time uh, with me and vice versa. So that you do understand the tells of like, your face says that you're happy, but, or your mouth says you're happy, but your face says that you're very confused. <laughs> like, let's unpack that. And like, I'll call you on things if you don't seem like you're bought into stuff. That takes a huge amount of vulnerability to show up like that so that mm -hmm. people can get to know you. Because I was about to ask you, well, how do you find your hype people? Because we all need a hype, hype tribe. Mm -hmm. And I think it starts with being confident enough or being not necessarily confident enough, but being willing to show up imperfect mm -hmm. and asking for help. And we as women yeah. don't do that. Why, why do you think we don't do that? I can say why I don't do it. I have had to undo parts of my brain that told me if you're asking for help is because you didn't know the answer. So you're either dumb or too lazy or you didn't figure it out or you're like, you're weak. So I've had to undo that in my brain, which okay. I know is totally not the case. Successful that's a strong inner critic. All the time. <laughs> yeah. That's a strong um, inner critic. Yeah. And I think you look at like the most successful leaders, 
And it's not that they don't have any flaws. They're just aware of them of like, here's my, my weakness is public speaking or putting together presentation decks. So I'm not going to totally punt the responsibility and say, well, with me, I'll never be good at it. But I am going to surround myself with somebody who's really good at it. So if we have a group project, I can do the thing that I already know I'm good at, and boost my confidence there. And I can learn from this other person who's going to knock it out of the park on that. So I think I'm going on a total tangent here, Cynthia. Sorry. <laughs> I think You're fine. Surrounding You're yourself fine. With people who you can learn from and, you know, who are, who are willing to teach, you know. So if you find that somebody's really good at something, just asking like, hey, would you mind uh, sending me your deck or walking me through how you built it? Or mm -hmm. if somebody you think has a really good presence, like scheduling time with them point blank because i think a lot of folks will find it a compliment if you say hey yes. i really admire the way you carry yourself in meetings i'd like first mm -hmm. time on your calendar for 15 minute virtual coffee or in person if you're in person could you tell me all about that and i think most people will probably jump at the opportunity to share <laughs> absolutely i've heard the expression you find someone that has or is what you want to be and then you get in their space and learn how you can implement it in your own life and I think we mm -hmm. need more of that. Yeah. I think we need more of that. The women in sales that I know love to give back, love to help yeah. others. Yeah. We, we know that. And there's totally we... like a dopamine rush when you help other people. Oh, uh, um... that oxytocin. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> it is huge. Totally. It is huge. So uh, we, we've got to remember that as we aspire to reach up, we've got to reach back and Women in sales are great at that. Absolutely great at that. So what's next on your list of accomplishments? What What do you want to accomplish? Who do you want to be? Ooh, so in this new role, like I want to, I have a lot to learn. And I feel so fortunate that like I get to learn a brand new job in the safe environment. I'm like, oh, it's the same company with my same stakeholders. I know the people. I know the company. I know the product. I, I get to learn the new job in this like, you know, vacuum of it, which is great. So I think long-term, what I would like, I just, I want to work with my enablement team and my frontline leaders to build the best onboarding program for SDRs in the whole wide world, award-winning, so that when people come on board and like work at outreach and go through the enablement programs that we're building now, they'll say like, I was better prepared than anywhere else I've ever been. And it jump-started my career. So that's how I'm thinking about my future job. I don't know if I have like a specific timeline for it, like a, a thing that I'll know when we've done it, other than feedback from reps and perhaps even winning some of those. There are awards for enablement teams, but that's my long-term vision. <laughs> nice. When those who go through your life, and if you were to ask the, the people that you love and respect the most, what do you want them to say about you? Oh, I would like them to say, you know, Brooke, is a highly compassionate and empathetic person who is like a lifelong learner and a hard worker and good at her job. <laughs> I love that. Last question for us. There are obstacles, there are challenges in everyone's life. You've overcome some things and I'm sure you've never told me or those who are closest to you the struggles that you have. But that's what makes women in sales unstoppable. I want to know what makes you unstoppable. Ooh. Oh, gosh. Truly, I do think a lot of it is who you surround yourself with. Because I have been in situations, in relationships, work or otherwise, personal, 
where I didn't feel unstoppable because I, you know, was surrounding myself with folks who made me feel less than. So I think I have, as you know, we all grow up, we value our self-worth and we get to know ourselves better the older we all get. I think that has been huge of just, just saying no to like, if I, if I don't get something from this situation, I'm going to leave. Like, don't be a people pleaser. Like I'm just surrounding myself with the people who make me feel invincible and unstoppable because there is totally a feedback loop there. So I guess what is it that makes me feel unstoppable? It's knowing now, like feeling it to my core that I have a choice to choose who and what I spend my time doing and being around. I love that. I love that you're, you are a reflection of the five people that are closest to you, right? True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brooke, thank you so much for your time today and for your wisdom and for your humor and for all of the good nuggets that you gave us. I'm going to go out and, and get a hype crew. They they probably don't know that they are my hype crew, but I'm going to. Oh, that's okay. You can volunteer them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm going to get t-shirts made. Cynthia's hype crew. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your pearls of wisdom. And, oh, I know that my listeners are going to want to stay in touch with you. So how can they? Oh, sure. Find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Brooke Bachesta that I know of on LinkedIn, but definitely at Outreach. Or you can shoot me an email. It's just first name, not last name at Outreach.io. So Brooke.Bachesta at Outreach.io. Would love to chat. <laughs> Fantastic. I know that you're going to get a flood of emails. So thank you again <laughs> for your time. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds great, Cynthia. Thanks so much. Thank you.